Previously on This Is How We Roll. Let's say he wasn't one of the people that you were assigned. Are you ever going to tell us if it is one of those people? Because we do a lot of traveling together. Do you want me to tell you? Probably. Okay. I in the in, in in the future, if it's convenient and if it's not waking anyone up or at an inconvenient time, I will be happy to tell you when I get a name. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with them. I'm supposed to find them. I believe that they have been to uh, an extra planar position. I don't know what this means, but maybe the time dilation that you experienced has thwarted even the powers of nature. But I, I suggest that you proceed to the pool of knowledge. Your, your quarters in the main hall are yours, of course, to use while you're here. And as I said, I think that you have some time now as Biriel amasses his armies, but the more time that we have at the end of your quest, the more we can prepare for battle. You proceed across the grove to the northeast corner, uh, which is the only corner now with tall green trees as the deciduous trees around the outside of the grove have now shrunken uh, their leaves and turned them to a fall color. The spruces, the tall spruces around the Pool of Knowledge look just as tall and powerful as ever. Um, And you approach the crystal clear pool uh, and uh, Flint and everyone just a reminder, uh, the pool of knowledge is, it's a beautiful pond in this grove of tall trees. Uh, the sun doesn't really reach the, the forest floor here, uh, except through sunbeams coming through the boughs of these tall trees. And the, the water is crystal clear. And you can see that it is incredibly deep immediately off of the shore. Uh, it's almost an unnaturally deep pond, and you can see that the outsides of this pond are encased in tree roots as these trees grow deep into the earth and keep this deep, deep pool in the middle. And all the way at the bottom of this pool, you can see, glinting a bit off of the light, you see a warhammer, a shining warhammer, and a shining gold scepter that seem to be sunk into the bottom of this pool. Um, so that's the Gaia hammer and the scepter of smoke that, uh, you all are so familiar with you in particular with the hammer flint, since that was sort of your weapon. Right. I remember Um, it well. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And, uh, and so that's what you see as you approach the pool of knowledge. Uh, and you'll remember from your previous trips that all you have to do is either drink from the pool or touch the pool or enter the pool. And uh, it generally will speak to you. But in you're some not way. really supposed to swim in it, but some people do. Yeah. Has Flint swam in it? Yeah. It sure has. Uh, all right. So, what do you all do? How are you? How are you encountering the pool of knowledge here? Uh, Felosiel's doing it the same way she has been, and kind of kneeling down beside it and taking some in her hand to drink it. Uh, Dresden's gonna put one toe in. Uh, one long black nailed toe. One long black nailed toe. Uh, Flint is gonna like hide his eyes the other way and just take his pointer finger and like touch the water. Nice. Uh, Maycore is just gonna stick his head in. Okay. Um, 
as each of you contacts the water and Flosiel tips the cool water to her lips uh, before you feel yourself pulled into the pond, almost as if an invisible hook behind your navel has pulled you into the water and you splash in. You don't see any of the others as you sink into this deep, dark pool. Uh, and you, sw- you, you, at this point, you've been in here several times. So I'm assuming none of you are struggling to swim probably. And you sink deeper and deeper and the sunlight above you grows smaller and smaller and you can just see a circular opening far up above you as you sink deep into this pool and uh, eventually you need to take a breath and instead of pain when the water fills your lungs you feel a euphoric sense of relaxation come over you and suddenly images begin to crystallize around you Um, and I am going to read all of these Uh, I know that I've skipped over it the last time but For some reason, I feel like some of you may have forgotten some of this. Alex. Yeah. Um, (laughs) This is all new to me. I'm very enthralled right now. (laughs) Just close your eyes and imagine. As the images begin to crystallize around you, you are no longer sinking into a pool. But instead, you see a vine growing over the window of a stone tower in which several young men study from an old dusty tome. The tallest of the three looks familiar with green eyes and a hungry stare. The boys are trying to hush one another as they read, and the smallest of the three says, Maybe we shouldn't try it. The middlest of the three says, Yeah, I don't know if this is really something we should try. The book says it isn't safe if you don't have the power to control the portal. Then you hear a familiar voice as Biriel chimes in and says, Come on, Damien, where's your sense of adventure? How will you ever learn to become a great sorcerer if you hesitate in these moments? I will try the spell. Stand back. And you watch from the window of this tower as he brandishes a white wooden wand in his hand, and he wears a ring with a glowing white gem on his other. The two boys with him move to the edge of the room as Biriel points his wooden rod at a floor-length mirror. He speaks a string of words in a language that sounds guttural and evil, and you see the fear growing in the other two boys' eyes. Suddenly, the mirror seems to turn into a black, gurgling liquid. Jets of blue light fly out of the mirror in many directions. The two boys on the outskirts of the room are struck, and they fall where they stood. Biriel seems unconcerned, and keeps his eyes focused on the mirror. A dark shadow appears behind the mirror on the other side, and Biriel's look of concentration flutters for just a moment. He starts to repeat the string of magical words, but as he begins, a dark shadowy hand that looks almost skeletal reaches out. It breaks through the portal and reaches toward his chest. He suddenly looks terrified. He is unable to move as the hand grows closer to him. In a flash, the hand makes contact with his chest and you see a white light travel from Biriel into the mirror and a cold blue light travel from the mirror into Biriel's chest. The energy causes an explosive force and the portal is closed in a snap. The tower is largely destroyed by this energy blast, but the mirror is unscathed. Biriel is thrown back from the mirror and slams against the base of the wall behind him. He slowly stands up and dusts off his robe and opens his now glowing blue eyes. You see the dusty tome has closed, revealing the title, the Necronomicon. Then a moment of blackness, and you're now in the branches of a tree on the Mount of Spirits. You see Biriel standing in the center of the same stone you once saw him standing on, and you see a pile of lifeless bodies belonging to nobles of many races laying around him. He raises his hands up toward the sky and you see the bodies climb back to their feet with glowing blue eyes. He laughs a cruel laugh 
as lightning crackles through the sky. Another moment of blackness and you see burning buildings lined with hedges, people slaughtered in the streets by marauders, goblins, and trolls. You see the walls of Waterdeep in flames from the grassy plains outside of its gates. You see Daggersford overrun with villains from the mossy slate roof of the Ale and Chamberpot Tavern. Another flash of blackness and you now see armor-clad armies marching through the woods. The woods look familiar and you know that you are near the Mount of Spirits. You see Biriel once again standing atop the Mount of Spirits, but it is crawling with the undead and many dark foul creatures. The entire mountain appears to be alive. Then suddenly, several flashes of bright light instead of darkness. After the first, a shimmering dwarven warrior wielding a great battle hammer crashes through a horde of zombies clearing a path for a phalanx of dwarves in shining armor to charge up the north side of the mountain. Another bright flash, and a tall, powerful dragonborn king holding a shimmering scepter leads a mounted charge of dragonborn warriors whose spears look sharp and deadly. Many fall on their way up the western side of the hill, but the king suddenly leaps from his mount and blows a column of black flames that engulf his enemies. Another bright flash, and a battalion of magic-wielding soldiers crashes like a wave against a wall of enemies at the foot of the south side of the mountain, and suddenly a flash of light and a powerful sorceress carves a hole in the defenses with a shining white staff that seems to cut through its enemies like a breeze blowing across a plain. The undead soldiers and beasts are blown away in a gust of wind mixed with fire and lightning, and the wizards behind the sorceress charge through the opening. Another flash, and Biriel, seemingly three times the size he was when you last saw him, is locked in hand-to-hand combat with a young elven fighter who seems to glow with a golden light as the battle rages on around them. Biriel wields a cruel-looking three-headed flail. It digs divots the size of a man on every missed swing. The elven warrior swings a brilliantly glowing white blade, and the light lingers in the air for just a moment in its wake. He cannot touch Biriel's raw power, but he dodges and dances quickly around Biriel's sweeping strikes. Another flash, and the mountain is empty and silent. Another flash, and you see the dwarf lord returning to his mountain home, his golden hammer on his back. Another flash, and the dragonborn king rides back to his lands with his remaining warriors holding his scepter. Another flash, and the sorceress returns to her magical school, deeply troubled and looking for answers that others did not know to seek. And for Macecore, Flint, and Dresden, this is where your vision ends. Uh, Philosial, you see another flash, and this is what you see. You see an elven fighter leaving his elven settlement on the coast. It is a small town and has a rustic wooden wall protecting it from intruders. There are just a few dozen homes and the residents all know each other. They utilize a staircase to access a boat launch at the bottom of the tall cliff. The fighter carries a gleaming sword on his belt as he leaves the town with a few other fighters. They wear little armor, but their lithe bodies indicate that they would be deadly opponents in battle. The scene goes dark and you see the same fighter returning to the town after a long and bloody war. He emerges from the forest onto the plains atop the coastal cliff sides. He is alone, but he pulls a cart with several weapons wrapped in elven garments, returning them home to their rightful places. As he rounds the bottom of a low hill, he lays eyes on his hometown. What remains of it? It lies in ashes as it has been burned to the ground in one of Biriel's final acts of vengeance before he lost the war.
The townsfolks lay slain, most burned beyond recognition. There is a movement in a pile of rubble, and the fighter turns and draws his sword, only to find that it's a fawn, a baby deer, limping from the pile toward him. He quickly lowers his sword, and the fawn transforms into a young elven girl, no more than eight years old, and she collapses in his arms. Her dark hair cascades across his battle-scarred forearms, and the scene goes dark. When it materializes again, you see the fighter speaking in hushed tones to a young elf who you can recognize, without a doubt, as a much, much younger version of Nim. He stands on the edge of a forest clearing. Nim nods and takes the girl by the hand and walks into a brightly lit opening in the forest where druids and animals frolic in the sunlight. She turns back to see the fighter, but he has already vanished into the trees. You see the scene go dark once more, and you now see the fighter in a boat. He sails across the sea alone, determined to find something. The scene gets blurry, as he seems to recognize something in the distance. It fills him with dread, but he steers the ship toward it. The scene goes dark, and the last thing you see is a great dark skull with one glowing red eye. Then you see one of your memories that you've seen once before. A strange-looking Aarakocra with a peg leg sits down next to you and orders a large rum. She downs her shot and reaches over the bar to grab the bottle. You make a move to stop her, but she pulls out several gold pieces and throws them onto the counter. It's the first time you've seen gold in quite a while, and she turns to you as she swigs from the bottle and says, You looking to make some coin? Well, if you're looking for work aboard a sea vessel, head east to the Lost Isles. There be opportunities aplenty. I sail out to the Purple Whale Tavern most of the time, and most of the best captains do. And then, Philosial, you awake on the grass next to Flint, Macecore, and Dresden. All of you open your eyes at the same moment. So, Flint, what'd you... That was a lot. <laughs> so, Flint, what'd you think? Uh, I hate anything portally uh pooly uh anything of that nature and that's how i feel thank you for asking <laughs> i think i need to go talk to nim when i didn't see anything film. about nim yeah i i have i have a no i have a tree i want to give him that i took from the college you took a tree look from the college? You. Look at you stealing stuff. I like that. That's good. You're really coming out of your shell, Philoseal. Where'd you hide the tree then? Oh, it's just like a little branch. Hmm. Um I saw some I saw some weird stuff that I haven't seen before, but I want to talk to him and give him this tree before like I just need to work some stuff out with him quick. Uh do did you see anywhere where we should be going next? The last piece, I'm assuming? Yeah, I I think so. Um, somewhere called the Lost Isles, which is weird because... You know how we were crossing the bridge in Nightshade? And we had those memories. Yes. Well, at least I had right. memories. I don't know if you guys did. Um, but I had this memory of when we all met and... There was this lady, and she's like, come to the Lost Isles to work. 
that was part of this. And so I think that must be where we need to go. The Lost Isles, huh? Hmm. Uh, seems far and, and lost. Yeah, yes. it kind of seems hard to find. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I I think that's a, just the name of a town. Oh. But I don't know if they sail to Lost Isles, maybe. There's also a purple whale. A purple huh. whale? What's a whale? The big sea thing. It's like a big fish. Yeah, it's not a fish. They swim, don't they? Seems pretty fishy. True. Well, can you eat them? Are they yum? Are they really good? I think you can use their bones to make jewelry and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've got a name for that. Uh, but that's not really a good thing to do oh, anymore. Crimscraw? Crimscraw. Crim... How... Creme brulee? Mm-hmm. No. That would be good, though. Crimshaw, I think, is called. Ah, yes. I remember the tales from the coast. They all had weird sweaters and smoked pipes. Yeah, but they weren't very good, and now there's not that many whales left. But I guess this purple one... Well, I think it's it's a tavern named after a purple one. Well, you, why are we sitting here talking about fish? <laughs> we should be going to that tavern. But yeah, I think I'm going to go talk to Nim about some other things I saw, but I think that's where we need to go, is to the Lost Isles of the East. All right. Okay. Have any of you been there? No. No, not not to my knowledge. Nah. Hmm. Then another adventure. Who doesn't love an adventure? I need to go find some stuff to buy. Did the staff go to the bottom of the pond? Yeah, so Dresden, when you arrive back on the grassy knoll beside the pond, the staff is no longer in your possession, but when the four of you look to the bottom of the pool, you can now see the gleaming white staff at the bottom of the pool next to the other two items. There it is. Also, did you guys notice that uh, Burial didn't even connect his his stick to his stone and he just had them separately? We didn't have to make a staff. We looked like fools. Well... I, I think arguably we looked way cooler, or at least Drez did. <laughs> well, guys, I mean, she needs to talk to Nim. Do you guys want to go? We need to go resupply, I think. Yeah, I got a couple of things that I want to buy. Agreed. All right, so why don't we, let's have the three of you figure out specific items that you're interested in, and then we can maybe discuss it before we wrap up tonight. And in the meantime, Keegan, we can play out your scene with Nim if you would like to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nim has returned to the Sacred Grove, which is at the, uh, or sorry, the Waterview Grove, which is at the bottom of the uh, Hall of the Druids, south, uh, along the stream that winds its way along the edge of their territory. And it's mostly willows and the like that have now turned this crimson color. Um, And uh, you see Nim standing over the rustic live edge table that he was reading tomes on once before when you approached um and he does not look up as you approach uh nim yes what can i do for you my child um i have some questions well then i hope that i have some answers um well first of all this well this isn't a question, but I brought a branch of um, a... Oh, they're not ash trees. What are they? 
Um, the which what branch do you have with you? Is it from the white birch? Yeah. Yeah. That was what I did whenever we were talking to a person before we yeah. left. Okay. Yeah. From Jorma's Grove, right? Yeah. I have this branch of a white birch tree that uh, it should have roots soon, and I thought we could plant it here. It there's a bunch of them at. Uh, the college we were at. Um, and you see him take it from you and he examines it through his thick uh, librarian glasses that he wears when he's reading his books. And he says, it's a fine specimen. We haven't seen a white birch bloom on these shores in probably 200 years. This will be a fine addition to the, to the grove. I will plant it in your honor. Oh, thank you. Yes, it... Um... I would just be careful. It seems to give people vision sometimes. Well, I, I it may give you a vision. I don't know that it would give everyone a vision, but not all of my students have ever been as attuned to nature as you seem to be, Philosial. Where do I go from here? Um, <laughs> I don't know, but, but was there anything you wanted I, to talk about? Yeah, so we were just at the pool of knowledge. And it told me about, well, I saw more than I normally see. Um, I, I saw the, the elven warrior from the, the battle with Burial. Oh, you must be referring to Keldon. He was the greatest hero of my time. I, it must have been him. He had a, a a sword and, yeah, a coastal town is where he came from. But when he returned to it, unfortunately, without his armies, it was burned to the ground. Does that sound right? I, it's been so long. I don't know. I don't know what might have happened to his town. Well, when he was there, he found a young child and... If I'm not mistaken, he brought her to you. Yes. Is there a question? Is... Is that Lanira? I see the pool of knowledge has drawn back the veil. Yes, you see, Lanira has been like a child to me many, many years, and her own story is fraught with peril and sadness and... Now you are one of just two people who are privy to her backstory. So she came from his village? That she did. Was she related to him? No, I don't believe that she is. It just seemed like such a small village. Yes, and it is one of the wonders of this world, in my opinion, that two... Incredibly powerful people should come from such a small town, but the world works in mysterious ways. Um, do you think... I don't know, it just seems like she... She should be doing... Like, she's got a... Not doing more, but she's got a greater purpose than here, don't you think? That she was spared out of all those people? Well, she was not spared, you see. She was cunning, and she was quick, and she was tough. She was not spared. She, she survived by her own abilities, by her own determination. 
And she doesn't like people to know about it. Well, no one likes people to know if they have a tragic backstory. She did not get to her current position because of that. She has now provided, she has paid it forward, as I believe they say, the youths say today. She has made this a home for many a cast-off from many a village who wanted to commune with nature or could not find a safe place to do so. And she has built a truly wonderful place, possibly the one last stronghold that could hold up to Biriel's threat. And I am proud to have played some small part in that, though I cannot claim to have been the source of her talents. I hope that I guided her up to this point, and I trust her wisdom beyond my own. I'm sh- I'm sure you did. I mean, sh- you you helped raise her, and she still looks to you for guidance. I guess. Yes, that's I- true. But I, in a much greater sense, I think that she only allows for me to be a part of those conversations as as payment for my years of service. I I don't believe that for a second. Well, I appreciate that sentiment as well. <laughs> uh, was there anything else that... I'm trying to think through everything you said. Mm, uh, no, I mean, most of it was the about the... Uh, yeah, most of it was about the warrior, not her. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't know why she doesn't share this with people. I don't know if she has a reason or if it's just doesn't come up because she's a busy, busy person. But if you, uh, I, I would perhaps keep this under your hat, so to speak. That's, uh, yes, that's what I was, I was thinking. It showed me a lot of other stuff in the pool, but I didn't want to just tell everyone. Do you know where you're going next? Um, Can I help you to find anything on my maps? Have you seen a purple whale? Hmm, that is a strange question, and I have not. No, I... am not a seafarer myself. But have you heard of the Lost Isles, or a town called Lost Isles? I... that name does ring a bell. I think we're talking about the far east of Finrodel, are we not? I... yes, I believe so. Well then, I'm sure I can find it on one of my maps. I will look for the location for you. That would be much appreciated. Um, also I have these mushrooms if you want them too. Are they the psychedelic kind? Because I would love those. (laughs) Uh, I'm really not sure. I found them in that alternate plane we were talking about. And whenever I picked them, it felt like they were watching me. So I didn't eat them. Well, I would be happy to examine them for you if you would like me to on your travels. Uh, yeah, here... And, I mean, if you feel like they would be helpful to... Well, I will, I will try to surmise what I can about their properties. I have i don't know for sure if I've encountered these before. Uh, and I hand them to him. Uh, make a... Uh, can you make me an uh, insight check, please? <laughs> yeah. An eight. Yeah, he just seems to have an academic interest in them, from what you can tell. <laughs> um i yes please research them let me know if anything if they can do anything um i certainly will and and as i said i will pour over my maps 
with the dying light of the day and in the morning and as long as it takes for me to be able to direct you on your next journey. Thank you. God, if we could have been uh, eating magic mushrooms, that would have been a terrible way to go through nightshade. I still, oh God. I still have a joint though. So what do you we think happened on the bridge? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Those were all uh, mushroom spores, not actual fog. Oh, Jesus oh, God, Christ. we all got high. I guess that's pretty much it with him, and I'll leave him to uh, do his... Uh, um, I'll leave him to do his research and head back to town. Okay, sounds good. Um, so you head back up to the uh, the hill, the sort of central thoroughfare of the Grove of the Druids, Hi everyone, it's me, Keegan, your Felosio, and I'm here with your mid-roll announcement. As always, if you're enjoying our show, leave us a rating and a review. Ratings and reviews help us to be noticed by more listeners like yourselves. Just hop on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Podchaser and leave us a five-star review. And if you're somewhere that you can write a review, leave it for us so that we can see what you think of our show. And head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash this is how we roll. Over there, you can find hours of extra content, including 17 episodes of our side campaign where the guys head to Vonralia to deal with Lord Hoodba, cut content from our recordings, bonus content, maps, and more. Head on over and check it out. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to all of those things. And thank you to our two patrons, Junior and Johanna. If you want to follow us on any social media, take a look at our show notes, and there you'll find all the links to our social media. And that's all I have for you this week. So now, let's get back to the episode. So, Keegan, if you want to take a few moments, you can think about what things you might like from the shops. Yeah, I wrote them down at the bottom well, of that's the wonderful. shopping page. Um, where is the shopping page? It's on here. So, the Green Hall businesses menus. Oh, yeah. and there, I listed a few things. There were some uh, new things oh, yeah. in there as well. I hope everybody had a chance to take a look at those. Mm-hmm. Um, I put mine on there as well. Okay. Love it. Boy, my oh, list God. is a lot shorter. Denril's on here. What's the document? <laughs> uh, Green Hall businesses menus. I put things on there in case other people wanted them and there was only one. Um, and let me let me uh, sort of wrap up your day. So the dying light of the day is sort of approaching at that moment. And uh, all of you proceed back to the main hall Um where there, there are uh, refreshments, food and drink are left for you in your room um, as the uh, the tavern is actually closed on this night as uh, they've had to kind of cater for all these new people. So there's not really enough help to go around. Yeah, there's no, uh, nobody wants to work there. It's the great resignation. Um, and, uh, and so you don't find a lot of uh, businesses open up on the hill and instead you just have um, you know, food left for you in your room and uh, sausages the, from play. Yeah, and the main hall is quiet. Lanira has retired for the night, um, as have all of the attendants of the main hall. 
the main hall. Uh, again, it's like a quiet, dark forest grove whenever you walk in and your room has some nice fairy lights strung up in the ceiling. Um, and by that, I mean they're actual little pixie fairies in jars and they're oh, keep, keeping the light going. Uh, no, they they're, no, they're actually no. floating around. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah they're, they're fireflies that have like a good source of light for you in there. In jars? Yes. No, no, they're, they're just flying around. They live in the I wanted them in yeah, jars. You, and if you, if you do a double clap, it'll turn all of them off. <laughs> nice. I was looking at some of these items and uh, <laughs> the gloves of fire and ice. And when you clap them together, it does like a steam explosion. <laughs> yeah. That one. I like those. Those are badass. Do you, so we get to choose things regardless of their costs? Just one? Yeah. You can, so basically for now, I would just put down like some things you think would be useful for you. And I'm going to essentially make a sheet and kind of add up what I think is a reasonable gift amount that Lanira can give to each of you since we didn't really have any kind of dynamic for you to end up with money. But we're reaching the point in the story where Lanira and everybody else at the Grove would know that you all need supplies and money should be no object. Right. You know, like she's not going to jip you all on like a 200 gold item just because she wants her businesses to thrive if the world is going to end because you don't have it. It's the classic catch-22. Right. Either way, she's going to lose it all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I put four things down there just because um, two of them were pretty close in price. So I, either one would be fine. If you, Yeah, when, when any of you feel like you've uh, reached your point where you're pretty confident with your list, that's totally fine. You can just let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to kind of like help make some decisions and narrow down some lists. There's just some things I think would be probably they're on there for a reason, but I don't think it would be something Felosio would get. Damn, I want too much stuff. <laughs> That's okay. I'll help you narrow it down. I think I'm fine. But, I think I'm fine. By only giving you some of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Mine is also finalized, Jordan. Uh, what has tiny Felosio been doing in town, by the way? Uh, freaking people out mostly. <laughs> like, is she gonna like start to mold at some point, and I'll have to kill her? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> She's gonna turn bad. Yeah, she'll mm. be an evil cake full of. No, seal. that's only if I roll a one or something. I feel like she actually, when you first got there, she was just trying to like take a nap somewhere, and one of the caterers thought that she was one of their cakes, and like tried to like scoop her up and put her in a box, and then like had a heart attack when she tried to run away. <laughs> she just starts stabbing with her. I like to. I like to think that she'll turn into like a doodle bob, like, like, like. Yeah. Yeah. And just go fucking. Yeah. <laughs> what did What did he say? You drawing me, SpongeBob, at the end, and tried to erase him. <laughs> he tried yeah. to assume the identity of SpongeBob. Oh yeah, he did. Oh, man, classic SpongeBob. Oh, yeah. Great SpongeBob. So, like I said, I've got like 900 gold. That covers most of this. Um, Actually, yeah, I have enough gold I could buy everything that I want. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, if there's anything... So, basically, again, you can edit some of this out, but um, basically, you're going to get some items as gifts from Lanira. Um, they'll be there when you wake up in the morning and 
if there are other things that you really wanted, you can then use your party's money um, as a group to get some of those, I would say. Now, the, Although, I gosh, just, 1800 means that you could buy like almost everything that people don't get on this. Um, yeah. I also like, I want the squid cone mask of memory because I think that's cool, but I don't think I'll ever use it. Well, that's so the I thing. Probably... Uh, you all have had a bunch of items along the way that you haven't used, so it's not necessarily all, you know, going to be used, but that's okay. While you do math, should I tell the guys what I what else I saw in the dream? Yeah, yeah, you could do that. Do you want to like do that in character and paraphrase? Yeah. Okay. Um, as we're eating in our room, so I saw the the elven warrior. You guys, you guys saw him in the battle, right? Yeah, swinging that big old sword around. Yeah, so he, I saw him when he left the town with, it was basically his whole town, anyone who could fight. He lived on the coast and they went off to battle, but he came back alone. So I think everyone died in the battle, which was devastating. And his town was burnt down whenever he got there. Dang, Hmm. really kind of putting salt in the wound. Yeah, so Burial did that and then... He went, he, like, he got in a boat and was sailing, and then I saw, like, ahead of him, it was kind of blurry, but I think it's where he was going to, and he looked afraid, but he kept steering towards whatever it was. So I think we, that's why, like, it jumped from that, and there was something about a red skull, but I kind of... I'm not sure what that was, but something with a red skull. And then I had that memory that I told you guys about at the at the tavern. And the lady's like, come to the Lost Isles. And so I'm guessing he must have sailed out of there. And this is all connected. We got to start writing this stuff down after we have these visions. <laughs> I know, right? Jesus. I should also learn to write more adequately. So Felosio fills you all in as you're falling asleep on uh, one of the most pleasant nights that you've had, and really the only good night's sleep that Dresden has had in a really long time (laughs) um, after his adventure on the first night out of the college. And you you drift off to the sounds of uh, crickets and nighttime trickling brooks and things of that nature in this forest hall. And in the morning... Each of you awakes to find a set of packages that are clearly distinguished for you individually. They have your names on them, written in Lanira's long, beautiful script. And she has, in fact, gone around the grove and collected some powerful items that she thinks might make your lives easier in the next leg of your journey. Um, Flint, you open up several packages... And you find the crab leg foghorn. Just what I always wanted. Um, and actually, if you all wouldn't mind maybe reading the descriptions of some of these as we as we do them, that would be wonderful. Sure. I can read that one. Crab leg foghorn. Okay. This is the crab leg foghorn. This horn is carved from the leg carapace of a hulking crab. When you blow into the into this magically imbued horn, it clears fog or mist from your immediate vicinity, equal to 
10d20 feet in any direction. This also works on magically produced fogs or mists, but may not work on smokes or other particulates. Nice. And you also find the phantom phalanges. The phantom phalanges. Phalanges? Is it phalanges? Phalanges? I think it's phalanges. 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 Gesundheit. Um, A pair of soft leather fingerless gloves made of elk hide that has been dyed matte black and embroidered with tiny stars made of silver thread. Once per long rest, you can clap them together and they provide plus one AC for an hour and turn you invisible for 1d4 turns in an encounter. If you make a physical attack on an enemy, the spell will be broken and they will be able to see you. You can still be heard, smelled, or felt while invisible. Must be attuned to the user. Which just means that nobody else can just pick those up and use them. Right. Um, And then you also find a small black box, and inside of it you find two rose gold rings inlaid with ruby roses. They are called the Rings of Rosie. Okay, the Rings of Rosie, these two gold rings inlaid with ruby roses, allow the pair of wear allow the pair of wearers to transfer life energy uh, at will to each other. Life energy can only be given, not taken. Has two charges per long rest. Special feature: once uh, 300 HP has been transferred through the ring, the user has a chance to double HP receive. Charisma check. I didn't. Is this new? Did I not read this before? Oh. Once 1,000 HP has been transferred, the rings glow red, lose their life force ability, and become a single-use lifesteal grenade. <laughs> Holy hell. 3d20. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So basically, if I remember correctly, you can... Uh, you and one other person can wear these and so now that i have these can... in possession like i can choose who to give them to right i'm kind of worried about dresden being being <laughs> on the receiving end of this yeah yeah um but yeah you can basically transfer hp between the two of you so if one of you was like really dying um yeah and i think you can just choose the amount right yeah yeah. So yeah, so you can really help someone survive uh, a fight that way. And I was so. definitely thinking since I've I've been doing a lot of like hiding. Yeah, hiding and ranged stuff. It'd be nice to give this to someone who like you know is yeah. up close and you know Macecore who's always at the brunt of Dresden's spells. Yeah, and it does not say here, but that would be an action, by the way, to transfer life energy. I, I can't do um, that sort of spontaneously. Exactly. So it would be your turn if you were in combat and you needed to like help someone out, right? Uh, whoever the other wearer is. So um, excellent. So those are your three items that you find in your package, Flint and uh, Dresden. We'll do you next, um, Dresden. You find uh, in your first package a runic stone with an embossed golden sigil, uh, and that is the emergency arcane helpline. All right. Um. <laughs> A runic stone with an uh, embossed golden sigil. When the wielder's spell slots are depleted, they can activate the sigil to be connected to a customer service agent in an ethereal plane to request a top-up. This is against policy, of course, so the caller must persuade the customer service agent by passing a persuasion check. So basically, for you, whenever you are out of power, you're going to have a little stone with which you can talk to uh, Matarua. 
And you have to try to convince her to give you enough power for another spell. Perfect. Um, and I'm going to say that this is going to... This is going to be a once per long rest use. Because um, it doesn't say on there. But I think it's a pretty funny... Uh, yeah, she's going to speak through speakerphone on Rasputin. Beautiful. Um, you also pull out a very interesting light metal armor. Uh and you can describe to me how it looks. It's the armor of plot. <laughs> um, plot, of course, being a famous blacksmith. Right. Of course, yes. I'm going to say it's a nice long cloak. Okay, sweet. Uh, so the armor of plot. Fall off a cliff, submerged in lava. Find yourself between a mama owlbear and her cub. Nothing to worry about since you're protected by the plot of armor. Or Sorry, sorry by the armor of plot. When a player uh, when a player death is about to occur, the armor of plot activates and reshapes the events leading up to this moment so that the player does not die, most often by magically receiving an item that prevents their death. How the player acquire the item is chosen by fate. For example, if they fall off a cliff, the armor of plot activates and suddenly they, they have the pants of a pair the pants of a parachute, which prevents them from dying on impact. The player then rolls a D twenty. On a twenty, they they acquired the item from some act of heroism or on a previous adventure within the bounds of the law. On a one, they acquired the item on a way to in a way that could cause big problems for the party. For example, they stole it from a, a lich who's oh, now shit. Yeah. hunting them down. Uh, one use per. Oh character. Christ! So basically, you're definitely if, gonna roll a one if Dresden dies or is about uh, to die or is about to die. Then I will, uh, or he, I guess you could say it or I could say it, that you have activated the armor of plot and then you have to roll a d20 and then I'll determine based on that what we, basically we're retconning the story and saying, actually, you were about to die, but you had this great thing that you needed just at that moment and here's how you got it. Perfect. Um, And we'll have a flashback scene to play that out. Yeah, you stole it from Officer Jerry. (laughs) And you get that one one use. Um, And then... Another item, another set of armor, this time much smaller for you, Dresden. Uh, it's a, It appears to be some sort of one-size-fits-all hooded pet sweater. Uh, and uh, you have received the gemmed armor of the beast. It says, this one-size-fits-all hooded pet sweater can be worn by any companion animal. Once per day, the magical gem stitched into the chest of the sweater can be activated giving the companion animal the opportunity to transform into any of the falling beasts for up to one hour. Pegasus, rhinoceros, saber-toothed tiger, giant elk. Jesus. So Rasputin can now wear this sweater. Damn. And when you need him to transform once per day, he can become something a little more helpful. Is the sweater itchy? Oh, so itchy. <laughs> oh, God. He's not He's going to want to wear it's, it. It's cashmere. It's cashmere. It's fine. <laughs> Actually, you can tell me what the sweater looks like. That's fine. I want it to be as itchy as possible. I want it like a nice, like, I don't even know, just super itchy material that whenever I put it on him, he's not going to be happy about it, but he's going to have to do it. It's made of wool. Yes. It's made of wool. Ste- steel wool. um all right let's get through the last couple so mace core you find a few uh items as well uh the first thing you open is a nice shoe box and it has in it the boots of the high ground Ooh, the boots of the high ground in addition to gaining granted advantage on checks to leap over dangerous terrain 
The boots of the high ground are a powerful way to turn combat in your favor. Once per day, you can say, It's over! I have the high ground! as a bonus action. When this happens, the ground under, your, under you rises a few feet for one minute and you gain advantage on all attacking and saving throws as long as you are on the high ground. If you dismember an enemy while on the high ground, a d4 is rolled. If they roll a 4, a greater force of evil will arrive just in time to save them and they become your greatest rival. <laughs> God, that could be so good. Um, you also find a pair of gloves. Um, and one is red and one is blue. Uh, and it is the glove, a glove of ice and fire. A glove of ice and fire. This pair of gloves comes with one red and one blue. With the red glove, you can use an action to ignite flammable materials. With the blue glove, you can use an action to freeze water up to 10 in a 10 foot diameter sphere. Twice per long rest, you can clap the gloves together and create a fast expanding ball of steam from the point of your clap. The steam cloud quickly expands to 20 feet in diameter and all creatures within 10 feet of you take 1d8 fire damage and must make a strength saving throw or be knocked prone. After your clap, the steam heavily obscures the vision within the cloud for 10 minutes. A moderate wind or stronger will disperse it quickly. Nice. And finally, uh, you find a small engraved jewelry box. Uh, and you're not super sure what this one's about, so there's an explanation, and it says that it's called the What the Dickens. Just type in dick into the document. <laughs> oh, that's, that's all over the document. Yeah. That's not going to help you <laughs> yes. find it. What the Dickens. <laughs> this small engraved jewelry box can be opened at any time and consists of three spirits. The three spirits are the ghosts of campaigns past, the ghosts of campaigns present, and the ghosts of campaigns yet to come. Each spirit has a power that they will use at your request. Once the spirit has spent its power, it will vanish only to return to the haunted box again the next time the clock strikes 1 a.m., 2 a.m., or 3 a.m., respectively. The ghost of campaigns past will transport an enemy or ally of your choosing back to a time before their most recent turn. This will result in the nullification of any effects or actions taken by the creature affected. This spirit must be used as soon as the creature's turn is ended. The ghost of campaigns present will grant the, cre the designated creature an additional turn in an encounter as soon as their turn is ended. And the ghost of campaigns yet to come will remove a creature from the initiative order for one round and they will be inserted into their rightful place next round. God, oh, it's wow. so good. It's so good. Yeah. Damn. And uh, for listeners, this is a carryover from not this year, but the year before from our Christmas episode. Uh, I was inspired. And nice. Felosial, you got a few extra items because yours are a little smaller for the most part. Um, you get a, you find a bottle of bubble soap. It's the slow fall bubble soap, which comes with a bubble wand. Oh, sick. If I had known that. Uh, yeah, slow fall bubble soap comes with a bubble wand. If you find yourself suddenly falling from a great height, simply blow a bubble around yourself using this item and your fall will slow to a gentle drop until the bubble touches the ground. Upon impact, it will pop, release anyone contained in it. Both or can blow a bubble large enough to hold up to four humanoid creatures. Each vial contains enough soap for two bubbles. Nice. Sweet. Uh, you also find a gross dried squid in a paper bag. Wow. Uh, it is the Squidicone Mask of Memory. 
this partially dried squid has been shaved into the rough shape of a human face. It looks very gross in its resting state, but thanks to its imbued magic, once it has made contact with a person, it can perfectly replicate their face in the form of an identical mask on the wearer when they speak the person's name. It can collect and store up to five faces at a time. Once a sixth person touches the mask, the oldest stored face will be lost. And it is attuned to me. Uh, do it? Does it have to be on their face or just touch them? I'll just touch them. Nice. So you have to touch someone with a gross squid? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then you can wear their face. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, just you also, <laughs> after you open the gross squid bag, you also open a bag of just like a pile of gross vines. Um, and there's a little tag that says the vine ill cloak. Nice. Uh, the vinyl cloak. A cloak woven of living Jesus vines. When, Sorry, I when just w- got that. Vinyl. <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> when worn, it gives plus one to stealth in a wilderness setting. It can be thrown on a wall to form vines that you can climb for 10 feet or across a chasm or water to form a temporary bridge for 10 feet. And... Finally, you find a small bag with two potions in it, one of which reads Flabbergast's Flagon, and the other reads the Potion of Greater Healing. Uh, I'll tell you about the Potion of Greater Healing. It looks like a uh, sort of a pinkish liquid, um, and it's got like a safety cap on the top, and it says that when you consume it, you will heal for 4d8 damage. Nice. No consequences. Yay! Um, and then Flabbergast Flagon allows your next three melee weapon attacks to deal 1d6 additional random elemental damage. And I roll a d4 to determine what it is. Yeah, and if you miss, it's dealt to you. So everyone gets these gifts, and you wake up, and all of you are feeling rested. You're all feeling like you have accomplished a lot, and you're ready to get back on the road. Uh, and we will start next time with a level up session. Hey. You're all going to gain. Oh, what level are you now? You're 11? 11. Yeah. Oh, you're going to gain three levels. Holy shit. shit. You were in that time warp for a long time. <laughs> what? It was only a few months. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to go up to level 14 to start this next arc. So between now wow. and the next time we play, you can kind of look at that stuff. Um, I'm happy to kind of walk through that all at the beginning next time too Um, just depending on how far people get so maybe we'll just open next week with a level up session and talk about what new stuff you get sweet wow three levels I will I will retreat to my archives for now. But sorry, hold on. I shouldn't I shouldn't talk while I'm like screwing the cap back onto my whiskey <laughs> bottle. That's not gonna be able to be edited out. Um, <laughs> Nim, what are you uh, drinking? <laughs> he says it's it's he a blended scotch. Out of a book. Um, also, if you all don't mind listing the gold cost of some of these next to them, oh. that would be super helpful to me. Already Way ahead did. Of you there. Already did. Yeah, yeah, I know. A couple of you are uh, getting A-pluses, and, and a couple of you are just getting, like, Cs. Alex and I are just... Hats. 
crushing uh, it. Excuse me. I was the first one to put my stuff at the bottom, and everyone copied me. So uh, nobody likes a tattletale. You can't prove right? that. You can't, <laughs> can't prove that at all. Uh, we can go back and look at the timestamps of the history. Nobody of likes to kiss ass. You can't do that. You're getting a C. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you suck. 